good, Internet? And welcome to Session 47 of Super GG Radio, where friends chat about video games and all things adjacent. As always, I am your Dom Toretto lookalike. I think that's more Joel's, more Joel's kind of thing. But either way, host Alex Arona with me this week is hip-hop legend Little D. Weezy, a.k.a. Joel DeWitt. What's up, Joel? How's your life on the mean streets of small town in Illinois? <laughs> that needs to be left in yo 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 coming at you there ain't no ape escape can't stop this mario party better believe life is strange i cap snitches with these crits rolling in a natural 20 you know the snake is solid want to see my hind d that's actually really good that was really good that was really good yeah i think that was pretty good yeah we'll, we'll see how it comes out in post but uh <laughs> no, I think we're done. I, 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 think can, we're, I can always erase it. <laughs> no, I think we're done. Everything else is going to be trash from here. Roll credits. Speaking, speaking of trash, Eric Getty Gettinger. What kind of segue is that? I'm trash now? Come on. Moving on. <laughs> you, you are our resident Oscars grouch. Oh. Like, that, that's that's coming from me, dude. That's and, pretty low. Yeah. Resident hentai game expert. All right, moving on. Super fired up about this one. And the history of nepotism on the show continues. The creator of our WordPress blog, my brother, Phil Arona. So glad we could finally get you on. Fuck you, Alex. Where's my money? <laughs> I sent you a check. Didn't you get it? Uh, no. That's weird. Anyway, this week we kick things into high gear in the backlog blog. Ah, you tried to change it on me. <laughs> <laughs> Brawl it in early adopters and cap it all off with a, with a resident expert. But for now, let's ride, gentlemen, and Getty. Burn. Boo. <laughs> Boo this man. Early adopters. Alphas, betas, and games received from a shadow link with a precariously named executable. <laughs> Most likely the dark web. But today, this week, we played Shadow Brawlers. Now, Shadow Brawlers is a four-player party game, local only. But if you guys know me, that's my jam. If anything, this is right up my alley. I made every, I sat down with every person here, and I made sure they played it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you yep. sure did. You took me away from Rocket League. Damn, you were so bummed. You were so bummed. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I was less happy when you just threw me in blind to it. <laughs> well, the main mechanic behind Shadow Brawlers is your two D, very almost like hip hop uh, ninja genre style, like art. Very cartoonish, but very cool, with hip-hop beats playing. And the main mechanic is you have to kill each other as ninjas with a sword attack. But everything is either a shade of dark or a shade of light. And with your right trigger, you can instantly become invisible, phasing into either dark or light. And it matches exactly the background. So you got to kind of pay attention because you might lose yourself. You will lose yourself. You, you will lose I mean, yourself. It's not a might. You will lose yeah. yourself. It's that I mean that is the inherent challenge more so than even trying to track down your opponent is just keeping track of where you are and not losing the thread of where you're going. They give these little clues too as you're gliding along, even if you're transparent with the background. So if there's like little uh, grass blades on the ground, they'll sort of shimmer and move a little bit if you run by them, and uh, little visual cues that way that help you keep track of where you and your opponent are. But uh, I. It, it was tough to keep track. I mean, I by the end of our session, I got used to it and got a little better. But uh, it definitely took some learning. 
the the funny part is Getty and my brother both took to it like a fish in water where at a certain point I thought I was being slick and being completely invisible <laughs> and I absolutely was not I would like, I'm, like, I'm sneaking up behind them and they just turn and, and just one swipe kill me because it's only a one hit kill right yep and, and that makes every round pretty brisk too I got to the point where I would pick a spot on the map and run towards it while basically keeping an eye on the rest of the map looking for any hints of any kind of movement and if i'd see like any kind of uh dust or anything moving i'm like okay that's where i need to go next the rain really gave it away for you so if you if there's any kind of rain effects which there's so many cool particle effects in there with smoke and again just like steam rising from pipes dust and even just background material you can knock over a lamp or something but the this the the rain was always the worst you had to get indoors to some sort of part of a lower part of the level uh, now, there are, they have several different weapons, things like a katana, which you have a dash in the game to just move a little bit faster, but it'll make your dash lethal. you got ninja stars, a hammer that would stun anybody in, a, in an area of effect. There's just a lot of neat things about this game as a party game. Just like bring it out, you're having some drinks with friends. I think I had my buddy Alec over and Beth, and Beth took to it. The funnier story that I like to tell was that Beth just kind of went nuts, and she didn't even care about trying to be invisible. She just took a bow and arrow and just started firing wildly <laughs> into the air. Actually, what I really liked about the weapons, it didn't seem like it broke the game. They all they all complement the core gameplay really well and don't make things so frantic that it's like impossible to keep track uh, on top of just trying to keep track of your character. Because some of these versus multiplayer games like it'll be a core conceit for how you do combat and then they'll tie in a weapon or a, a volley of weapons that just turn things into insanity i'm thinking like uh a stick fighter fight stick or stick fight, fight. stick, stick fight, fight. Yeah. like that i mean and that's the core crux of that gameplay is shooting the weapons but some of them are just wild and they're meant to cause complete chaos and i didn't experience that playing with you alex and i felt like that was actually a pretty good thing given the kind of game this is well i think that when alex and i were playing we did unlock like two more game modes and two more weapons that were usable which is really kind of a fun mechanic for the game having to collect the characters in the middle of the stage Uh, how many levels did we get we got a handful of those too didn't we yeah i think we got two or three now i think we're up to five they just give the game a little bit more of a twist and aesthetic and a challenge to it for instance you there's one that's rooftops and it's just the moonlight and you just stay out of the moonlight but then there is one that's a cyberpunk world where you're on rooftops but now a floating hover car will fly by like a police car and it'll start scanning the area with its headlights and you can hide in the headlights or be hiding in the dark and they'll just out you so they do definitely have a lot of variation to how it works and how, how the game plays and I think that there's, there's kind of a lot to discover, especially these characters. The characters are so full of style. I have a T-Rex that plays a keytar, <laughs> uh, but I also had a cool ninja raccoon, and we were just different, different artwork that, that was uh, drawn in, and it looks really beautiful and fluid. It definitely has a very distinct style, and the character designs are well thought out. They're, they're all very distinct, different kind of characters, although I think they all play the same, right? Yes. And... The the fact that they are this distinctly drawn character, but they're all silhouetted out, and ma- makes an interesting like <laughs> contrast to the backgrounds too. Because like when we were playing, I know the whole aim was to try to blend in with the background, but I also found myself 
choosing on purpose to stick out on the wrong color of the background just to get a sense of my direction where I was. And it, it always provided a nice contrast between your character and the background and, and that distinct cutout look. It, it's very stark in its uh, color palette. And that kind of design is something I really, really appreciate, especially, especially for indie games. Like A distinct art style always goes a long way for me. Especially when again, there's only two primary colors. Not, not primary colors, is in you know, but I'm saying is that there's only two colors per stage. Really, there's variations on it. So it's like again, some steam and stuff like that. But there's two main colors, and you have to shift between them. So you got to pick one or the other, and you can shift on the fly. Also, they have a parry system, which is a lot of fun. It knocks the person back a little bit, gives them a stun, and it's got four modes. Uh, things like King of the Hill, where you have to kill everybody, and if you don't, they'll resurrect people. Or one where they will put a lantern in, and whoever anybody who's playing, if it's four people, three people have to guard the lantern while one person is can turn invisible and try to break the lantern. There's all these different modes that they, they kind of added and made the game a little bit of varied, but also give a lot of depth. And again, when, I, when I'm playing at a party and I got my friends over, we get tired of deathmatch, let's play the thief game, and let's play this other variation of the game, and it's still, we all know how to play the game. It just makes it something that else we could turn to it gives it a longevity i would agree with that i'd be more excited if i gotten to play with a full four a group of four people it was just alex and i going head to head and uh, let's be honest i think i i walked away with three wins and one loss shut up (laughs) (laughs) so i I, throwing a couple more people into the mix i feel like it would be even better um i did have a lot of fun i i was not one for any of the defensive uh, parrying, but I was always trying to go after Alex uh, in the worst way. Yeah. Trying to read the shadows for him. Well, I think this game is definitely built for four-player madness, and and that's part of why it's kind of a bummer that they don't have online matchmaking, or even like just a way for you to create a lobby for uh, your friends online to join you. you know, maybe Steam's remote play together stuff will evolve to a point where it won't be necessary for it to be in the game itself. But uh, that is a little bit detail I would love to see, just so like we'd have the opportunity for uh, three or four of us to match mate one night and uh, just try to explore that mayhem. Although I will say, a lot of these games, like when we come over to hang out with you guys, they are better served in the same room together people on the couch sort of like all the chaos happening in the room as well as on screen so uh i understand that some of that gets lost in translation when you're playing online yeah how am i going to smack your controller out of your hand if you're halfway across the state (laughs) (laughs) no i think that the next time gang beast comes up or you know ultimate chicken horse i think the next thing it's going to be okay let's throw on shadow brawlers i'm in awesome yep so the next game that we played this week was Grid Mobile. Phil, you brought this up to me that it just came out on Android, but apparently was on iOS. Yeah, uh, it's been on iOS since 2017. I'm not sure why they waited so long to bring it out for Android, but um, yeah, it came out uh, late November. So um, Grid is done by the company Codemasters. These are the same guys who do like the F1 games every year since like 2010. And they're also responsible for, like, the Dirt series and, you know, really just heavy into 
doing the racing games, the the type of racing games that kind of skirt the line between simulation and almost arcade. They're not like the super sim type games where uh, you're setting up every single aspect of your car, but um, they're good enough to where like the physics feel good. You could sit down with a wheel, a steering wheel and uh in pedals and the game just plays really well once you have your car set up the way you want to you can adjust settings on it but this isn't like need for speed where you're modifying your 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 coilovers your wheels it's none of that this is actual circuit racing this is what the grid series has been about is uh kind of simulating the professional type racing so Okay, now you again. How does it handle on mobile? You you came up to me and you said that the price tag is kind of steep on this, isn't it? Uh, it was ten bucks. So I mean, in the grand scheme of things, it, it's actually not that bad. But for a mobile game, yeah, ten bucks is like, ooh, well, I want to pay ten bucks for a game on my phone. Ah, <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> but um. No, yeah, as far as um, yeah, playing it, it's it's pretty good because there there are several schemes of touch controls where you can simulate a steering wheel where you're, you know, trying to thumb left and right, which that's just terrible. Uh, you can do, you know, a gas and brake buttons, or you can just have the game set up so that it's always on the gas and you're just steering left and right, which I found to be the most palatable when you're playing mobile. And But doing this... There is a drift mode event in which what seems like every single one of those controller schemes that it gives you are absolutely worthless. And I actually paired my uh, PlayStation 4 controller to my phone to try to, uh, you know, play with a controller. And I don't know if one of my controllers, if my controller was a little, I don't know, wonky because it kept trying to steer left like it wasn't on center. So that Hmm. didn't make it any better, really. (laughs) It's kind of disheartening to pay so much for it and then to be handicapped by just poor controls. Yeah, I mean, it's it's really hard because if you ever try to do a drift event, and, and like they make it so easy in games like Need for Speed, or it's always, you know, uh, when you approach a corner, just stab the gas, tap the brake, and you start sliding and just turn into it, you know, basic fundamentals. And it's a lot harder to do uh, with touch controls. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I'm actually not terribly familiar with Grid. Is Grid lean more towards uh, simulation or arcade racing? It leans definitely leans more towards uh, simulation, especially uh, when you're talking about the console versions. The first one was definitely more of a simulation type, and then with the second and third ones, they tried to go a little more, I want to say... Uh, <sighs> like widespread friendly where they gave you like a story arc and you know you're trying to race for uh, views and likes and stuff and then part three they kind of reeled it back in a little bit and then grid four which uh or grid autosport for playstation 4 which i also have it plays very similar in terms of uh racing where they just dump you into the game and say all right pick a discipline whether you're doing muscle uh tuner uh, GT cars, touring cars, and and if if the, none of that means anything to you, it's just basically different types of cars um, mm-hmm. for racing. And then you once you pick your discipline, 
uh, you pick your team, and every team has a different car with different goals to set per race. Like they want, some of them will want you to complete a race without hitting the wall or any other cars, or complete a race, um, you know, uh, in at least you know fourth place. And when you start off in the game early on, those goals are lower, and as you move up in the game, they increasingly become more difficult. Hmm. Okay. Now, sadly, I, the, the, the one thing I, I do have for as a point of reference is that uh, Mario Kart <laughs> no, and I don't mean that. I don't no, mean that, Alex, that way. I, no, I, know, if you, I remember you telling me back when we discussed it. You you beta tested Mario Kart Mobile, and it was there was a a mode that was straight like you didn't control the gas. It just you just went right exactly. Yeah, you you yeah. always at, at least that's the only game mode that I discovered when I was playing it. Well, I mean, because uh, Phil is a, an aficionado of playing these driving games on his phone, or even just any driving game in general. That's one, one of the reasons why we wanted to have you on, but. In this case, I, I definitely understand that as a as a driving scheme for for a lot of these mobile games. Uh, yeah. Well, so that that one actually, that that's actually in Mario Kart Eight full too, though. I mean, uh, one of the assists is to have the the gas always on. Mm-hmm. That, that's so exactly for, how like I play my, my boys. Otherwise, they wouldn't be able to play. Exactly. Yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. They they don't uh, they're not forced to learn how to do it the right way <laughs> like exactly. we were, but. Uh, <laughs> Yeah. I, I will say that I'm looking at some screenshots here that graphically this actually looks quite good. Oh, yeah, I mean, that was I'm, I'm not be sure how point. Yeah, it's it's yeah. it's it's almost like PlayStation 3 caliber. I was amazed that the kind of graphics you can get on a mobile game these days is just ridiculous. And there's another mm-hmm. game that I was that I was playing that was a long time ago. It was very similar called Real Racing. It's uh, they're on the they're on Real Racing 3. And that's very similar. Like, everybody would say... Like, when you play a racing game that's, like, almost simulation, people would say that, oh, that's, like, Gran Turismo-like or very similar to Gran Turismo, and, which is, you know, the uh, you know the game everyone puts on a pedestal as far as console uh, simulation games. Otherwise, you're going, you know, PC for some of that stuff. And we'll discuss some of that later. But, um, uh, yeah, real racing... Uh, three was that game until Grid came out. Uh, the only thing that I'd say is just avoid the drift events, <laughs> <laughs> which is sadly what I'd want out of a game. Like I want to drift. I want a Tokyo Drift. Why has it got to be Tokyo Drift though? It's the worst movie out of the series. It is not. It is the best movie out of the series. We will not get into this. <laughs> I don't know. I feel like that's where the conversation's going. You know, I thought this was going pretty well, but now I'm going to speed us up. Because <laughs> where we're going, you don't need roads. Into the news. <laughs> there you go. After the break. And we're back. Back with the news. Not all the news. Just the news we think is real pretty, but we keep it on the low for now. <laughs> Sup, news? Sup, news? What's going on? First piece of news, Sony will not be at E3 this year. Officially. Aww. Officially. Officially. Oh, well. That's a bummer, though. I, I know that we're losing the point of E3 when everyone's got their own show. Nintendo's got the Treehouse, Xbox has ID at Xbox, and... Sony's got whatever that other thing is, state of play. 
I mean, but I like look at I like how... having all of the announcements in one big thing. But look at how uh, it's changed. Are you ready to what was it? Inline entertainment. That's because everyone's pulling out. If people didn't pull out, it would still be the greatness that it was. I I don't know. I feel like at some point they're because they opened it up to everybody again. So you just have tons of random people there, farting, taking up space. No, nah, man, I want two dabbing pandas. <laughs> so they don't want to be there for whatever reason. They weren't there last year. You think it's going to make a big difference? Well, last year the excuse was that they had nothing to show, basically, right? I mean, because two years ago they had a presentation, but it was around four games, mm-hmm. and it was more like an audio-visual presentation more than an actual like uh, a business announcement kind of thing yeah. that was typically an E3 thing. So I, I don't know. It's almost like they don't know what to do with E3 anymore. Like, uh, I mean, Nintendo had some weird years too. There was a one where all they showed was Breath of the Wild, <laughs> yep. which threw people for a big loop, but ended up working for them in that case. And I don't, I'm not sure. Like E3, it kind of has this identity crisis where it wants to straddle something in between being a uh, business event and a consumer entertainment event, a la PAX, and. I'm guessing it's not going to be doing either well, frankly. But not having not been there, I don't know. It's a little tricky. I I just miss all those big, momentous events. And they missed last year because they had nothing to show, but they definitely have something to show this year. They're just choosing to do it themselves. When you say they have something to show, they, I mean, we're going to get specs on the, the PlayStation 5 here in a couple of months. but No, they said within uh, within the, a month. Yeah, there was a what's his name David Jaffe. Yep. Yeah, so he he worked on a God of War series. Yes, sir. Yeah, so it, he he apparently said on Twitter that we're we're within a month's time before oh, okay. they do a, a full reveal of PS5. So, I, I mean, we're my my guess is that they don't want to share the space to announce their thing with the Xbox and Nintendo, since Xbox is probably going to use e3 to unveil more details about the series x and the platforms than about x cloud and stuff mm-hmm. and they see how nintendo is able to, to control their message so tightly through the nintendo directs which is why you see the state of play stuff even though i don't like what they're doing is fine but it's a clear ripoff of the nintendo directs and it's not even distinct in a way that feels like it's on brand for sony it feels like a palette swap for the nintendo direct so I hope they find a voice that more matches what their platform represents. And I also hope that uh, I hope that they're able to uh, communicate effectively some of the stuff without E3. Because like it's it, it does feel weird that uh, they're not going to be there. And it definitely makes it feel like a much less momentous event for somebody even like us who are enthusiasts and uh, <laughs> you know casual observers of the stuff. Yeah, especially considering that it's new console time. This is the exciting, big blockbuster moments that you kind of live for because it's really going to happen once every five or six years. Yeah. Still, it's going to be slowly dwindling down. I I wonder how much of this is also just the industry trying to grow up a little bit because part of the humor and entertainment of these E3 presentations were sort of the awkward moments where stuff didn't work. They had, like, uh, pan stuff that ended up really bad like wrapping into a microphone in the first two minutes of uh, a recording uh 
Hey, you and agreed to do that, okay? <laughs> I, there, there was implied pressure. <laughs> there was not. I told you two weeks ago. The, in, implicit two coercion. Weeks ago. Implicit coercion. I implied. I implied. I will snip the no, conversation to you. It's the implication. Anyway. Uh, <laughs> yeah, but no, so, I, I see so what you're saying, Joel. I, I Just look at the Square Enix uh, panel from last year. That was well, a train wreck. Or uh, Ubisoft, you know, with... Uh, hell, didn't they have Joel Mattel for a few years there, even? Mm. And, and it all turned... Or was it... No, I was saying the Dame Awards. Yeah, uh, but... Who's that woman that was there a few years? Oh, oh I know you are talking about. That lady was... She, she's an actress, right? I don't know, but I just remember her being very, like, in your face. Wait, yeah, I know who you're talking about. I can't remember her name. Her name escapes me. Uh, she's one of the voices of, uh... Oh, she's on Archer. What is her name? Oh, I know who you're talking about. Aisha Tyler. Yep, dang it. it. I thought that was it. It was on the tip of my tongue. Yeah, but, uh, like... The Ubisoft presentation is exactly where I think of, though, where it's kind of like uh, a little try-hard, a little overwrought, lots of opportunities for mockery and and not being taken seriously. And I'm sure there's lots of people that are getting up there in age for these companies and are like, okay, let's try to take it more seriously. And like Nintendo, they're able to scale back the presentations to be on their terms and show you exactly what they want to show you and they seem to have news outlets that they want to uh, be the ones to leak out information beyond that so uh, but wasn't Ubisoft yeah. didn't they was it this year or was it last year that they presented outside of E3 they didn't even do it on campus uh, I, I think that was this year yeah they Maybe. did it like the day before in a theater down the street from E3 but that, it was, this, that panda needed room to move <laughs> It's real weird to me that they didn't have their own time in E3, but, yeah, you know, yeah, I, I can see that it, it feels like uh, it's changing. I, 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 I do agree with you, Alex, that it, it does kind of dampen the excitement a little bit for that week, just because, like, it felt like a relentless week, or at least three or four days of just, like, news, 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 and it's like... Out of all the stuff, you're going to find something to be fairly excited about. And with one platform holder not being there, it kind of dampens. I mean, dampens it down a little bit. I don't know. Is anybody here planning on buying a PS5 at launch? Not at launch. Mm. Debated it. (laughs) (laughs) I'll tell you this. If if the rumors are true and you can play PlayStation 1, 2, 3, 4, and 5, mm, that is very, very tempting. For me, it comes down to me having a sit-down meeting with my wife and asking her if it was possible for me to play that game. I think that the real discussion should be whether it fits in the TV stand. Oh, <laughs> yeah, because Xbox has got that giant brick and you're super upset about it. The monolith? Yep. It's a game I heard that PC. if you push strategic points on the Xbox new model, that little pieces will pop out of it. It'll call down the fifth element. Yeah, it will. No, it's going to assimilate all your other consoles and be your one and one home device do you guys remember mass effect when they put the people on like the the pikes and it would turn them into robots yeah spoiler alerts that's not not it's the first (laughs) six minutes of that game (laughs) it's the first six minutes of that game no i was gonna say it turns a bunch of people into undead zombies a la dead space spoiler Uh, alert for that spoilers that's that's actually wait you still haven't played dead space 
Moving on. <laughs> New Smash Brothers characters. Byleth from Fire Emblem Three Houses. Yeah. Joel hit me with the hot take on that one. <laughs> the mountains of salt on the internet. <laughs> hey, you gotta learn to recycle. Was it Fire Emblem number char- uh, character number six? I thought I read it was number seven, actually. Between, <laughs> do you think yeah. that you'll be able to switch the combat modes for the character so that you can do all three of the, like, the house leaders? So you do like bow, axe. You lance. get the weapons, yeah. Well, they had, they had three legendary weapons they showed uh, yeah. in the trailer, so I, I think that's the big hook from him or her because it's a gender swap character. Yep. Uh, is that there's an axe, a sword, and a bow. And it kind of looked like you could swap on the fly. Uh, I'm fine with the character. I mean, it's it's I'm, it's not surprising they chose another Fire Emblem character. Last time they did a Fighter Pass on Wii U, they had a Fire Emblem character. And it doesn't surprise me that they're using it as a venue to cross-promote with their DLC that's coming out. But uh, I wish they would have maybe been a bit more ambitious with it. I kind of feel like they could have done a whole Pokemon trainer thing where it was Byleth in the background, and then maybe you're swapping between the three primary students from the hmm. game, from the three houses. See, that that could have been, cool. to me, that could have been a neat way for them to make it a little more, at least visually distinct. Uh, but they made their choice, and now we have another Marth like here. So, yeah, more Marth. See, my big takeaway was Cuphead. Cuphead. They put. Uh, they, the, they have me characters from back in the Wii days, and you can put them in different costumes. Last time they released Sans from Undertale with music, and now we got Cuphead with one of my favorite tracks, Floral Fury, when you're fighting that fo- that flower boss. I you know I like that kind of stuff, but I also never play as the me characters. Frankly, I don't play as anybody but Kirby, so I can swallow <laughs> people and jump off the ledge. But Dick you're a monster. he is. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I, I distinctly play online in hopes that I can tilt people. I, I mean, it's, it, it brings me more joy than it probably should. I just like the music, and I don't really ever play the me characters. I just am glad that they exist in some of those things. I'm going to be pumped to be support to support that idea that, like, man, Sans could have been in here. Cuphead could have been in here. I think Cuphead actually would have made an okay character if only because they have different abilities that you can turn on and off and switch between, including supers. But... I'm not one to put my weight into, hey, we should have that character for Smash. Because Galgun could be in Smash. Yeah. Dude, Cuphead for Rivals. There we go. Rivals of Aether. Let's get that going. The Superior Smash. We're going to get a lot of hate mail for that. We get mail? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> uh, last piece of news. GameStop sales down 25%, which... It's real rough because they've been dropping pretty steadily. I don't think 25% is that much because they probably didn't have that much left. Mm. Can't compete with online. Man. It's a bummer because I like going to physical stores. I'll, I'll, I generally try to go to GameStop whenever I can. I think, Getty, you go more than anybody, don't you? Yep. I like to work the system. Oh, selling your games back? Selling my games back, getting extra credit for it, and then transferring like points into rewards. So Let me tell you about my little system. So I buy a game near full price, start it for a few hours, then jump off for something else. 
hold on to it, think damn it, I did back around to it someday until it <laughs> depreciates to about five or ten dollars in value, and then review my collection with shame and realize that I should and should not have done that. And uh, you know, now I'm sitting here with this game that I'm gonna did nothing for, so I just keep it since it's not worth the effort. All right, specifically, which game did that happen to most recently? <laughs> um. What was hmm. that Ben 10 game you mentioned earlier? Oh, my God. No way. <laughs> um, the, the game my son's playing right now. Yeah. Uh, in, in all fairness, we got that for like five bucks at uh, Disc Replay here. And, uh, and funny story, the uh, the announcer in it is the same guy who does the Colonel from Metal Gear. So it was a fun surprise just overhearing that while they were playing it. I love recognizing voice actors in the most random shit. Yeah, exactly. Well, especially when they have a very clear, distinct voice, and it's like, that doesn't sound right. <laughs> I was going to say, there's a guy who had a YouTube channel who used to work at GameStop, and he'd post videos of, well, you know, how they rip people off and how bad it is to work there, and the culture is absolutely crap. Um, but one of the things he was talking about was how you could game the system a couple of ways. One was um, there are some games that are worth really not a whole lot, and after they've been on the uh, shelves for a while, they'll just straight up dump them. Like, they'll toss them in the trash. And the people could, were going dumpster diving and grabbing these cheap-ass games and selling them back to GameStop. Literally. <laughs> yeah. And they were taking them. I'd heard that. It's crazy. And then there was another thing. Uh, um, he had a story where this guy said he was gaming the system pretty well by um, buying the games that were like on sale at Best Buy, like when they had like some of their major sales, but the price is never adjusted at GameStop. So he'd go back to GameStop and trade it in for like a five six dollar profit. Hmm. Yeah, he, I, I take notes. <laughs> I, when do I have time to do that? I got all these games I got to play. That is true. No time for the, dumpster diving. No. The big thing I've always wondered is, like, what's going to take the place of GameStop? Because I, I still think there's a place for brick-and-mortar stores, but GameStop is a prime example of being victim to some of the shift to digital purchases. But also, like, they expanded just as much as a Starbucks did, like where you would see a GameStop on one side of the block and then another GameStop down the street. Where I'm at, even uh, before some places shuttered, there was like a GameStop in the mall, and then down the road, like half a mile away, was another GameStop in a in a chain store area. You know, so it's just it seemed like they had uh, too rapid expansion, coupled with some of the retail problems that kind of bit them both ways, and it is, it is too bad. I, I also was disappointed they had a while ago had been testing out a pilot of allowing you to pay a monthly fee and then letting you swap used games with them Mm, yeah i remember that and that would have been a really cool thing in a way from the pivot beyond just the actual purchasing and buying of games or purchasing and selling of games i should say but i don't think uh Gosh, I think if I recall right, the problem was like their system was so dated that it couldn't handle the amount of transactions taking hmm. place from it or something, no. which is which is a weird thing to be the limiting factor. But I guess if you're in a bind, then you don't have the money to invest in new software. They got a POS yeah. POS. <laughs> 
No, I absolutely agree. I absolutely agree. I mean, there's something to be said for a brick and mortar store because now, what do you do to replace Toys R Us now that they're out of out of business? Although they are coming back, thank God. Um, but uh, like Target, it's the closest thing we got, really. You know what I mean? Yep. And uh, it, you know, just to browse. Oh, you know, I didn't see this. I want to take it. You know, I, I take it off the shelf. Boom, pay money. I got it, and you go. But, uh, yeah, I think they are definitely a victim to the uh, whole online uh, market that's, that's you know, our current reality. And then there was also a lot of the business practices that were uh, forced upon the people who worked there. And it was some pretty predatory stuff. And, you know, that sucked for the people who worked there and it sucked for the people who were trying to buy games. So, you know, it's kind of a double whammy. Yeah, I've definitely had my fair share of rough experiences trying to go into a, one of them and buying it without being harangued about signing up for a pro program or being asked about uh, putting down money for pre-orders and stuff. you got to make those quotas. Yeah. So let's hit the brakes into a break. That wasn't a really good transition, but it's okay. How about you Tokyo drift into the break? Why has it always got to be in Tokyo? <sighs> well, you're the one who said it. Han's the best. And we're back, back with the backlog blog, where we play games that we had to find our TV's AV input. In order to play, snap, 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 snap. Uh, I think my my, my my flat screen still has them, but they are very dusty. I think right, ours so- has component, mm-hmm. but I think you can still plug in the the white and red prawns and make it work still. Yeah, mine does too. So first game we played was Persona Four, specifically Persona Four Golden. Uh, Joel, you were playing on the Vita. Well, started to play. I uh, <laughs> you're still early on. <laughs> I'm pretty early here. Like I, they've set up the early premise of what you're going to be kind of doing in it. I I am far enough along to get the general sense of the characters' personalities, but still not remember their names, yep. other than Teddy, who G-A. is insufferable. G-A. Uh, <laughs> Wait, what's uh, wrong with Teddy? Um, hey, what's, what's problem, what's, Joel? What's ro- What's not wrong with Teddy? Um, what's your beef? He, he's he's a big bully poly doofus that is just like a Debbie Downer from the moment you meet him. Oh, he and gets better. Then, uh, yeah. <laughs> I hope so. <laughs> Maybe so. So this is a case where like it, it probably in some ways is a mistake for me to have started with Persona Five and working backward because Persona Five has such a stark, distinct style, both visually and. Uh, with their music it has a theme to it that just fits everything so well and everything is just so sharp looking too and going back to this that as we talked before we started recording this was a ps2 game at first yep and like it's it's nice that it made its way to ps4 but it still definitely looks like a ps2 game there oh yeah so like it still has still has the blurry uh, models the backgrounds are kind of drab and uh not terribly interesting and so it's it's still struggling and dealing with some of those issues but i guess the the problem with teddy that i have if anything is that he is analogous to morgana in this as far as i can gather he's the sort of like uh 
a personalized animal creature character. And I guess the best way I can try to describe it is that Teddy starts off with such like a scaredy cat mentality that kind of turned me off from it because Morgana, conversely, starts off really headstrong and stubborn and confident. <laughs> that that made Morgana really endearing to me when I was playing that at start, and yeah, uh, and I found the confrontational nature between Morgana and uh, Skull really funny from the outset too. So like it, it the sort of wimpy, whiny character just doesn't stick with me too well at the start but beyond that the the rest of the ensemble cast is actually pretty great i I find most of them to be believable characters as teenagers that go into a school uh the personalities are pretty well measured they they've got their own distinct personalities while not being like caricatures of a art type and you know so far I, i haven't had too many battles but it seems pretty much in line with what i would have expected from a persona game after playing five it's just again it is definitely not as distinctly stylish as five was the series itself has been progressively becoming more and more over stylized as far as uh, graphics and music and it definitely didn't really start till persona three because in persona two mm. you started getting more like believable characters and better like uh, character art and you really started getting more of a feel of the characters in part two but only a couple and then in part three it definitely started you know taking major strides in terms of uh, style and gameplay i think it was one and two had had pretty good music as far as like jazz and lyrics happening while you're playing yep but and it was very it was very memorable but the gameplay and the artwork the the format of the game because it, the it was almost like top down it was still turn based but it was like top it was the the view was more top down almost and it looked like a grid but it wasn't there was a lot still trying to get figured out so by 3 the bright colors started coming in and some of the the music started getting really jazzy and the characters started getting a little bit better and then by 4 you're definitely getting a lot more in your face artwork you're getting cool cutscenes and theme songs and these characters have really big voices and are just very meaningful and so in by five now they're just like hitting you in the face with style to the point that like scramble i keep sending joel in your face yeah <laughs> and i, I can I say keep sending joel videos of scramble and royal and it's out of control yeah i mean i can say can't wait for that i own every persona game uh one through well except for five i'm waiting for the new one for five but um, I borrowed five from you, Alex. But, I mean, I own one through four. And part two actually has two parts. They're two separate games. And then there's also the Shin Megami Tensai games. Uh, I own all the digital Devil Saga games. Uh, uh, the Devil Summoner, I have part one and two. So there's a lot of spinoff from the Shin Megami Tensai. And Persona is just one branch of that. Yeah, Shin, Shin Megami Tensei is the original series that this branched off of, right? Yep. Because I've I've done a little bit of homework on this, and and I thought that's and that series is a Nintendo specific series, if I recall right, or at least yeah, at the very least, uh, four four was. And there's been a lot of spinoffs on 3ds as uh, well. Person- uh, so I'm sorry, Shimigami Tensei three was a PlayStation two. I want to say I have it somewhere, 
But yeah, it was okay. PlayStation Two specific. But yeah, the original Shin Megami Tensei, I think it was a PC game, but it was also released on uh, Famicom. It was never released in the United States, and then Super Famicom again, and all of its sequels going forward. Yeah, were mostly uh, Nintendo. Yeah, so I, you know, <laughs> my little quibbles aside about Teddy, I, I'm I'm enjoying everything for the most part so far on it. It's. It is going to be something where once I get over the hurdle of it, I'm sure I'm going to love it. I, I, I like the fact that <laughs> this version of its sort of alternate reality seems to be inside of a television, which is kind of funny in how, like, uh, compared to Persona 5 without uh, spoiling too much for you, uh, Phil, uh, the technology <laughs> that they did have to, oh, with yeah, to yeah, try no, to get I've, into the yeah, I, alternate reality and yeah no i've played five yeah. with uh because i borrowed it from alex i got near the oh end. you did yeah oh, i got near i'm sorry the... i thought you said you were waiting to i, I thought you said you were waiting waiting till royal oh, but... i'm waiting till royal to own it <laughs> oh okay fair fair because <laughs> every i mean starting with three yeah they release they'll release their persona game and then uh, about a year later they'll release the better edition so mm-hmm. with extra sure. content and that's why golden is the best one of persona four supposedly just because it actually has a bunch of bonus content and yeah. extra extra secondary endings that's where they had uh they had persona three fes psp but and then they had yeah fes which was another version with a, a whole nother chapter I say like 40 hour yeah. ending yep yeah, yeah and it, I, that's well, that's that, the one you have on the v, uh, Is it the Vita, Alex? The one that you lent me? I have both of them. Yeah, but they added the main character could be female in, in that version. Yep, in FES, yes, they gave him a yep. female protagonist. Yep. It's, it's funny you mention that. I'm holding that in my hand right now. I, uh, I, I I dug around near Bias and found a copy of that for PlayStation 2. So uh, I am going to sort of start working back through these just to get a larger scope of experience between that and... Uh, Shimigami Tensei 4 was on sale for 10 bucks on the eShop for 3DS, so I picked that up too. Alex lucked and out I'm on that. And I'm probably going to jump in that with you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because I already bought it yeah. on your 3DS. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's like, wait, don't I own that game already? I don't remember if I own that game. You do know. Who plays a 3DS anymore? <laughs> so the next game we played, Burnout Paradise. We'd kind of been sitting on this one for a while. And Phil, being a car aficionado, uh, we thought that this would be a good one to discuss. Uh, Burnout Paradise was on PlayStation Plus one month, and then also Joel, you found a PS2 copy of it, PS3. Uh, actually, I've got a copy of the re-release they did for PlayStation Four. Oh, okay. You bought it physical. Yeah, yeah, I bought it. Well, that that re-release, I'm not sure if it sold quite well, but it dropped in price pretty quickly, so I got it for pretty cheap. Nice. nice. Now, Burnout Paradise is a very arcade racer where you are on the streets. It kind of drops you into, it's called Burnout Paradise because you're just on an island, essentially. And you just, every intersection of this island has some sort of challenge you can do. And it's kind of up to you to do what you want. You can upgrade your license by completing challenges. You can find rare cars on the road and destroy them, like like drive them off the road and then you get their car. You can upgrade your cars with car-specific challenges. You could just drive into billboards. Uh, yep, that's one of them. You just drive into billboards or find shortcuts behind construction signs. And I'm new to this series. I'm, I'm very new to it. I've never played anyone before. It's my first one. And I can see the I can see the appeal 
of this series being this su- like super fun arcadey back in the day uh, was it uh, was it called the one that you could play in arcades oh my god I'm blanking Cruising USA. USA Cruising USA I also remember Outrun. Bridge Racer all these different games so I get the I get the fun thing about it where it's like oh I remember this is for PS3 and I could see this being fun back then man, I just kind of wish we had some of the nice things that we have today. And, and like All the stuff that you're talking about now, because this was a, a Criterion uh, game series that was published by mm-hmm. Acclaim, and the, the studio got bought out by EA in 2004. And a lot of the stuff you're talking about, you know, smashing through billboards or driving cars off the roads and, you know, basically taking them down to get their cars, all that stuff that is stuff that eventually made it into the Need for Speed series uh, in one form or another. See, now, that's what I was hoping for, is that some of the things I would like to see would be fast travel or mapping your route out where it'll show on the road. And those things I see in games nowadays, so I can imagine... If they were to make another Burnout game, you can easily add a couple of quality of life improvements and see all of a sudden now you got me as a big fan. You know what I mean? Well, the problem is because if they did that, it would just be another Need for Speed game and you can't have that. Yeah, no, I guess no. you don't want to eat your own lunch and make your own. I mean, I remember playing the origi- one of the original Burnout games where it was like a linear... Yeah. You would do mission after mission after mission, and it would be like crash into as many cars as possible in 30 seconds or complete this jump, well, and then you get well, points well, like, and stars or whatever. Bur- Burnout 2 is my entryway into the series on the PlayStation 2. And Mine too. It was a it was a series of racing challenges, and then you would unlock cars as you got farther into them. And I think it was based off of the ratings you got in the races. It's been a while since I played it, but uh, like the mode you're talking about, Getty, was a specific mode where it was like you got points for how bad of a pileup you got, and it would be the set track of you would go down this road and you'd hit an intersection or you hit an area where there was just like gridlock uh, traffic and it was your goal to ramrod and create as bit of a mess as possible. <laughs> and it's like, it was one of the more fun things you could do with the thing, especially if you were just like me and, you know, high school hanging out with some friends with like a, you know, pizza on a Friday night and just trying to pass the controller back and forth to make a mess. Yeah. That that is one thing that I it, I like this game overall, but I do kind of wish they had some of those things as optional modes somewhere in it. And I also am of a mind that in some ways the linearity of the tracks benefits it a little bit better than the open nature of this game. Like Burnout Paradise became a thing back when being a big open world was a big selling feature for every game out at the time. Because so I think it was originally like PS3, Xbox 360, and all of those things sort of show in the way it plays out. Like the the very open world, Alex, like you and I talked about, the fact that you had to drive to the different markers to initiate an event, and then are not being fast travel is sort of a relic of that time. I, I'm not sure if I agree with you about like there being a line showing you the most efficient path though mm-hmm. because, because one of the things that they it seems intentional in this is how it gives you the start and end point but it doesn't I mean the only clue it gives you about how to go is that as you're approaching an intersection where they're trying to tell you the 
where to, where to turn, it'll sort of like flash the sign of the street name on the top as if it were like your blinker, you know, as if you would hit your turn signal and we're just trying to get ready to turn. Oh, uh, okay. Yeah, so I mean, it's it's something that is not it's subtle. It's it's not like in your face, but and it took me a little bit while to get used to looking looking for it. But as I've played more and more, I become more accustomed to looking for that and trying to keep like just a look out in my peripheral view of the top of the screen to see if it's blinking or not to prepare myself. Okay. See now now you're giving me more notes. I'm probably gonna go back and play like five hours of this game. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, the game is really good. Like yes. I, you know, I, I had played a decent chunk of it on PlayStation Three, and then uh, uh, dropped off of it. And I, I think I'm down to so far at least a B rating on my license. And it, it is just an enjoyable thing to spend an hour or so to go into that world, try a few events, see if you can find some uh, good ramp off periods or some of those billboards or secret areas that you can knock down fences because they keep tally of how many of those you ran into in the uh, world and. Like, with this being a comprehensive package, the new one that has all the DLC that came with it, it's a lot probably to play through if you want to. I, the other complaints I did have were just two real short ones, which was if you got messed up enough, your car just would, like, like hardly drive. Yeah. And, and I get that as a mechanic, <laughs> but, man, I am stuck driving halfway around the map to try to get to a fix-it station, and I am going five miles an hour and I am not pumped. And then the other one was that it does, I think this is part of like when Assassin's Creed was doing that where it would just show you the map and you would just have like infinite amounts of stuff to do and it, at a certain point you got fatigued over that. That's still like in my brain because I did one of those construction challenges where I broke down a barrier and then it says, great, you got two out of 144. It's like, well, <laughs> God, that's all. That's just so much. I, if I had one real grievance outside of what's been mentioned, it's that there are city parts of the map, and then there are like rural parts where it's you're on a highway or something. Yeah, those rural parts, getting from place to place or getting out of the rural area, can very literally take like five minutes of driving just to get back to civilization <laughs> so yeah. just like so some of the racing events end there and especially if you like lost it could be really demoralizing to get all there all the way there and get like second or third place and then have to be stuck trying to drive your way back and if back. if if there was something i would want to add more so than even fast travel it would be like a try event again after it's over you know just like a quick try. Just a quick restart. Yeah. And it's funny you say that because that that's the exact same beef I have with games like The Crew, because they yeah. basically give you a scale model of the United States. Yeah. Oh, jeez. Yeah. <laughs> so if you're stuck out in the boonies, it's a long drive back to civilization. Well, for now, Joel's a good time to start working on your Teddy cosplay, unless you're worried God you will burn out before Anime Central. Getty A plus on these puns. That was terrible. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> Let's take a break and then on to our bonus segment, Resident Expert. Back with Resident Expert. 
Resident Expert is our occasional segment where we have somebody out that we're friends with, someone who's listener, someone who is part of our community, who has a very specific affinity and knowledge base. This week, my brother Phil has been asked to be part of this episode so he can talk to us about racing games. Woo! Phil, yeah. you are quite the aficionado at racing games, is that correct? Uh, racing in general. I mean, I'm a total gearhead. Um, I mean, you know, I, I watch, you know, motorsport, F1, rally. Um, I was part of the streets, man. <laughs> I, I actually was a, a tuner, and you know this. Uh, you know, I used to modify my cars pretty heavily, you know, at a, a, Mark, a Mark V GTI that was, like, just decked out and, like, just crazy loud and really damn quick, and I don't really modify my cars much anymore, but, uh, I mean, I'm, that's where I get most of my enjoyment now doing it in video games. It's a hell of a lot less expensive and, uh, <laughs> and it's, uh, um, doesn't endanger my, uh, transport to work. Let's put it that way. <laughs> but, uh, and yet your car is still fancy and bright blue and has, is like, oh, it, lo- it looks like a racing car still. It's a Kia. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah uh yeah so i i've been playing uh grid for ps4 and playing uh grid for uh, uh for my uh for mobile uh but you know i have a whole dedicated setup and actually took some pictures and actually did an editorial for the super gg uh wordpress website check it out if there's anyone listening <laughs> but um <laughs> Yeah, so I did a comparison between like a five hundred dollar uh, wheel and pedal setup versus like a two hundred dollar wheel and pedal setup, which is where I'm at now since I bricked my other one. Uh, fun, but uh, <laughs> but yeah, oh, I, mean, no. I like to play. You know, this this the sim games. Um, been playing Project Cars too, which is as close as I'm going to get to like uh, sim racing with you know just single player. Because there's a lot of uh, sim, uh, like really, when they say sim, you're talking about adjusting, giving you the option to adjust every single aspect of your car. And we're talking about like uh, rebound rates and toe angles and caster and stuff that you like, what the hell in a car? Yes. Uh, there's just so many things you can do to adjust the car, to adjust your suspension settings, your brake bias, your uh, all-wheel drive torque bias. And this is... Um, you know games like race room i racing and and then to a slightly lesser extent project cars and i played uh race room online uh which is free where i racing you actually got to pay a monthly fee for um i've tried them both i sucked at both really because <laughs> you're, <laughs> you're playing some pretty hardcore guys who play every single day and for several hours at a time and that's all they do is just drive and you know a lot of these guys they do this uh, because, I mean, a lot of them have hopes for uh, going professional. And uh, there's um, guys who play Gran Turismo uh, professionally, like Gran Turismo Sport. And uh, I forget what the last version was, like Gran Turismo like 6 or 7. Uh, they actually, Gran Turismo had partnered with Nissan's uh, Racing Academy. And they actually had a reality show where uh, they would put guys, uh, guys who used to play, uh, who would play Gran Turismo, and they would set lap times, put them in competition, and they would eliminate a bunch of people. And then those who did really good, they'd put them in an actual race car and put them on the track. Wow. Yeah, and then they would compete on the track. (laughs) Holy cow. And then the person who won that competition would actually join Nissan's racing team. 
that's, that's wild. A, it, that's it, it always it always amazes me how there are these sort of uh, cottage communities around certain niche genre of video games. And like similarly to what you're saying about sim racing games, it reminds me of uh, there's a guy, a giant bomb for a while that did the uh, flight simulator stuff and talking about how he would use the flight simulator stuff while he was also learning how to fly airplanes to sort of act as an aid oh, yeah. <laughs> to, to uh, aid in that stuff. And it, it kind of tracks with that. And so, so you, do you prefer something that's more of a sim racer? Uh, and, and it's just that when you have to be online with other people, you're competing with people who make it a full-time job. <laughs> well, not really because I get my ass kicked all the time, but <laughs> yeah, but I mean, I, I mean doing the, like I'll, Pop on Project Cars too, so I don't have to, I don't have to necessarily join uh, an online lobby. I can just you know pick a car, pick a track, pick the time of day, and run some laps. But even then, it's you know uh, do I want to set up my car? Uh, you know what league do I want to you know run in? And it, there's the various other settings. It makes it a little bit harder to jump in and go, or you know, or the more arcadey games are funner because I could just start a game play a couple rounds and then done put it down and that's it um yeah i was playing a game actually um earlier today i hadn't played it in a couple months but i picked it up uh early last year called loop racer fast beat gt and it's made by Hmm. a publisher i'd never heard of called saint fun it's on steam for 10 bucks and i saw the description when i was looking for racing games on on steam and i'm like this looks a lot like Wangen Midnight, if anyone's ever played that, or um, was it uh, Tokyo Extreme Racer in America? And hmm. it had a lot of elements of that, and like the initial D arcade game, if you've ever played that, where it's like they put you in a car and you got to just beat a guy on a, a twisty set of road. And the the company, I did, did some research on them, and oddly enough, uh, Saint Fun is a company out of China, and they make arcade games like our little arcade things and they only actually it looked like they only had two arcade games and one of them was based off of the steam game and the other one was some like motorcycle motocross and the rest of them were like like vending machine type claw things which was weird but this game was definitely up my alley because i loved the the tokyo extreme racing series and uh, the initial d series so I, i could pick that up do a quick uh race or two put it down and go and as we were talking about grid uh, before, it kind of straddles the line between arcade and sim, where it gives you the options to do a lot of those adjustments. But it's quick to pick up, do a race. You know, it's only like three or four laps and put it down. Where some of the sim racers, you can set it to do you know two, three, or four laps. But when you go online to actually do a race against people, they're doing 20, 30, 40 laps. Yeah, and that's how that that'll take a while. Yeah. And I frankly do not have the time for that. I got two kids who are constantly jumping on me. <laughs> I was going to say you have to wait till the kids go to bed for that. <laughs> and usually by that time, I'm ready for bed myself. Yeah, I hear you. <laughs> so, okay, so you the, between race, uh, you like sim and arcade, you like a little mix of in between. Oh, yeah. So uh, what are your, some of your favorite series? I mean, do you stick to the Gran Turismo's? Do you like Need for Speed and where they've gone so far? I remember you guys were having a discussion of the games that you wish you could quit on one of your episodes, I think. Yeah. And Need for Speed is definitely one of those for me uh, because it's they're fun. They're, they're 
you, they can be quick and dirty games. They're so corny. They're so stupid sometimes. Oh, what was the one where you're like you're seeing a monster drink in every other cutscene? Uh, that was yeah. the Need for Speed, uh, the new re- <laughs> Need for Speed reboot for PS4. Um, I just uh, beat the last one, uh, Payback, and I'm actually kind of looking forward to Heat, but at the same time, I'm not. <laughs> um, <laughs> I really do enjoy the uh, the Dirt series. Um, there's Dirt, and then there's Dirt Rally. So, like, Dirt is less sim and more about just kind of having fun in the rally uh, setting where the Dirt Rally series is more of the sim type, a little more difficult uh, you know, mm-hmm. for that purpose. But I definitely enjoy those, and I do like playing the F1 So they have, a, they have a mix of both. Right, yeah. So it's they're both you know rally games, but there's one for uh, people who are just kind of uh, occasional, and then the rally series is for those guys who are a little more serious. Uh, yeah, so I'm really enjoying, you know, the Dirt series. Uh, I do love Project Cars because there's a lot of uh, different types of racing you can do on those, and you can also do the uh, the the uh, the World Rally uh, Cross, the Rally Cross series, which is a fun series mm-hmm. that I watch. Um, uh, they they post the videos on YouTube, but you know, it's like four cars on a track. It's dirt and asphalt, and they're just sliding through you know snow mud crashing into each other but it's just you know do four or five laps and they're they're quick races so they're fun to watch okay and that's the kind of races that like people like ken block actually race in who's ken block oh i'll show you yeah who's that (laughs) (laughs) this is why i'm glad this is why i'm glad you're on though just like my my view of racing games are fairly limited anymore and uh i used to be into the burnout stuff and more of the arcade stuff but my my view of the more sim stuff has been limited to like if you're not a follower of the stuff really the forza series is what you might see as like the the forebearer of that genre mm-hmm. and i don't even know that much about that so it's kind of neat to get a little bit wider view of the different options out there and it sounds like the in the community still there it's just that it's it's split between several different franchises than before absolutely um especially the uh the sim stuff when people get into like the simulation they start you know, if you've seen the guys who do like the train simulators, and they have like the big console controller and like the three screens in front of them doing the, you know, controlling the trains going through the stations and all that, and they do the same thing with the, um, with the race car simulators, and actually a lot of the F1 guys uh, train on these simulators. It's just ridiculously massive rigs. They're just you know tens of thousands of dollars but you know the seat moves and like when you when you go over bumps everything just kind of moves and shakes and you know they have these f1 style wheels that have like 50 buttons on them and you know and, and they got these you know 350 inch uh screens one in front two on the sides and it's just ridiculous and people set these things up at home and it's pretty crazy well, I mean, again, you have two kids, and there are literally two racing seats in your upstairs room. <laughs> well, yeah, one's uh, one's uh, the fake uh, racing seat that came with the play seat base, and I took that one off because it's got zero lumbar support, and your back starts hurting after 10 minutes. And I uh, custom bolted on a seat from a 1989 Honda CRX. Nice. <laughs> Great <laughs> lumbar support on that. He's getting MacGyver on us. Oh, yeah. 
Now, uh, there are two series that I always have been a little bit on the side fascinated about that I'm surprised you haven't gotten into. Mm -hmm. Uh, Those being Trackmanias and uh, American Truck Simulator. Yeah, I'm not really a truck guy. I don't feel like uh, shifting through 18 gears on a <laughs> on a road. <laughs> if anyone's ever watched Top Gear, it's like it's like this is a hard job. It's change gear, change gear, check your mirrors, change gear, change gear, murder prostitute, change gear, change gear, murder. <laughs> Apparently, they have a prostitute prostitute murdering issue in the UK with truckers. I don't know. <laughs> and meth in America, but <laughs> it's just trying to sneak that yeah, in there. Right. <laughs> But yeah, there's, I, I think the Lando is Lounge Lizard. Or uh, Lot Lizard. I forget. Something like that. Yeah, it's Lot Lizard. Yeah, yeah. And uh, the other one was um, Track Mania. I always thought that was interesting because it's custom-made tracks, and you're just on a server, and you're just going and going for, like, say, a five-minute timer to try to see what your best time you can get on that crazy track, and they're going upside down and sideways. And Yeah, you showed me that. And it actually looks very interesting, but, again, that's kind of like point your car in a direction and hope you hit parts of the track and make it to the end. <laughs> it's a little bit out of my uh, scope. It definitely looks like a lot of fun, but um, yeah. At least then you could like cut, try to, like, I got to get a better lap. I can, I can shave off three seconds off of that. I do that with my, my games now. I mean, I'll, I'll pick a car and drive on the Nürburgring and, uh, you know, it's a 12 and a half mile track, you know, ring road on in Germany and, that's basically how like all these sport car companies do their testing. Like, oh, we got, you know, we got a eight minute time on the ring, and oh, we got a seven fifty on the ring. It's, it's kind of like the corporate dick measuring contest. You, you know, they compare Nurburgring times. <laughs> you know, so it, it's fun to do that. You know, that kind of racing. But um, yeah, Trackmania definitely looks interesting. I'd considered grabbing it, but I just hadn't had time. I, I forgot about it actually. Yeah, uh, but yeah. So uh, I was going to say, uh, Grid. Uh, the guys who did that are actually doing the uh, up and coming Fast and the Furious game Crossroads, which is interesting. Now, Go ahead. you we wanted to, we wanted to bring this up to you, if only because we seemed kind of down on it, if only just from the the initial look at it and the way that it is graphically. What would be what would that game be to you, as somebody who is a car person who is a fan of the Fast and the Furious? As because uh, you've you've put me on that, so. What do you want out of that game, and do you think it's achievable for there to be a good Fast and the Furious game? Well, yeah, considering that uh, all their previous games weren't all that great. <laughs> if you've ever played any of the previous ones, they just they, they just left a lot to be desired. The fact that it's being done by uh, Codemasters, which is you know a team that has consistently done some pretty good racing games, um, there's definitely a lot of potential. Uh, it looked like some of the graphics at this time were still a little janky. I'm pretty sure they're still working on that. I hope. As far as like the gameplay itself, I mean, Vin Diesel's done voice acting. Uh, Michelle Rodriguez, I think, has done some voice acting. I don't know about Tyrese. Uh, but nothing's keeping the dialogue from being cringy, but at least the voice acting should be halfway decent. Um, but I would definitely like... Ludacris did... Uh did a Forza D, uh, Fast and the Furious DLC. He would give you missions. Luda! <laughs> nice. Luda? <laughs> uh, yeah, no, I, I missed out on that because I don't have a, a, an Xbox One. But definitely uh, there, there's a lot of potential there. Um, I'm hoping to see almost a Burnout Paradise type game where you're basically on the sh- on on the streets and you got objectives and then you start bursting through you know billboards and doing some ridiculous stuff like the last couple Fast and the Furious films, doing heists and you know dodging tanks and all that kind of crap. 
So that's what. You th- so you would imagine more. You still imagine it going more of a racer, but then you throw in a couple of adventure action sequences, and that you think that'd be like that'd be that'd, that'd be the right tone to go with. It would have to be. I mean, uh, Fast and the Furious is based on well, its original premise was based on street racing, and then just worked its way into becoming you know a heist film, just like um, I mean, it had to. You can't do a movie based on street racing. They've proven that after part three. <laughs> Um, yeah, look, they just better have a mission where they steal VCRs. That's <laughs> all I'm going to say. <laughs> Driving under semi-trucks. It's, it, that, that's the one Fast and Furious reference I have in my pocket right now. Nice. <laughs> that's the first one. Yeah. Yes, <laughs> exactly. Um, yeah, the, the, these, the movies have definitely become more of uh, the uh, Italian job type uh, movies, and I think if they can pull some of that off in uh, the game, it'll actually be pretty fun. All right, now just just breaking down one last thing here that I had written down. For the the wheels that you use, is there a time when you're just like, nah, I'm going to go stick with PlayStation 4? Um, when you say stick with PlayStation 4... Like the controller. Oh, stick the with controller. the controller. Yeah, there are times where we're like, you know, do I want to you know, move the, the seat closer and hook up the... And, you know, hook up the seat and then readjust it because the boys have been playing on it and, you know, really want to dedicate myself to you know playing a couple of rounds or doing a couple laps in the the seat and again it really comes down to what game do i feel like playing if i'm playing need for speed i'm definitely using a controller uh if i feel like i want to run you know a couple laps of the nurburgring uh in project cars i'm using the wheel if it's a late night and i just want to throw on some laps or you know just crash into things because you know just killing time i'm using the controller That's good. That's good. There's benefits of both. Absolutely. Thank you for coming on as our resident expert. Thanks for having me. We had we had we had plenty of questions about racing games. I'm still confused. (laughs) (laughs) But I think that's just going to have to be that way. Let's move on to one last thing. One last thing is our one last sentence. One last statement. One last head out into the weekend, and for you, the listener, the weekday. As for me, I just want to throw a a bunch of shoutouts here. Thank you to Xbox Game Passengers, Gaming Fix, A Brew With You, having all of us, Joel, Getty, and I as guests. Also, Paco Alvarez Lojo and Team Guiazo for Shadow Brawlers, Arctic Game Studios for Blockbuster, Clem for Mad Experiments Escape Room. And that's about it for right now. Joel? All this talk about racing just made me realize that uh, I, I think I'm just going to stick with... Uh, uh, super off-road <laughs> super off-road what's that on that was an old arcade game it uh i think it came to like the super nes yeah. yep i recommend crazy taxi for mobile it's a lot it there's really no racing it's just uh it's venture capitalist it's venture capitalist it's a clicker mm. that that seems like the opposite of what i'd want <laughs> <laughs> getty you're one last thing i how does Alex always sneak, like, five extra things into his one last <laughs> thing? Because I'm the host. Fine. My one last thing is that after I finish Control, I'm pretty sure I'm halfway through it. I'm just going to go on a Mega Man and Life is Strange bender. Did no spoilers till we talked about it. <laughs> yep, don't spoil Mega, Mega Man. Man. Yes, no, don't yeah. spoil Mega Man. Did you pick up the, okay. the bundles uh, on the Switch? Uh, no, I have them on PlayStation 4. I made my way through the first bundle a while ago. Mm. And now I got the second Legacy Edition. It might go into the first one. I've never, I haven't beaten a bunch of those. You won't, <laughs> <laughs> Phil. You're gonna get angry. I'm gonna get real angry. 
Phil, what's your one last thing? Uh, just uh, thankful for being uh, on the show this week, and uh, I'm going to be working on a uh, Dragon Quest review that I'll be posting uh, shortly on the uh, Super GG uh, Radio WordPress site. Gotta Anytime. Content. Yeah. Yeah. Also, I like, I like retro reviews, so I'm very interested to see how that goes out. And that will be it for this week's Super GG Radio. Before we go, you can find us on Twitter at SuperGGRadio and Twitch.tv slash SuperGGRadio, where we played some Destiny 2 on Multiplayer Mondays. Yeah. Over the weekend, we did some Rocket League. We did some Multiplayer Apex. Hell, me and Joel almost wanted to ditch the podcast to play just Apex. <laughs> it was real close. That was more an obligation than a desire to this, this week. So. Yep. Hopefully at this time, Metal Gear Heartwake will have recorded another episode. I think we, really we lost him to Divinity. He's gone now. Yeah, he's probably gonna get canceled. Divinity. <laughs> what about Metal Gear? He stopped listening. It's fine. <laughs> Metal Gear. If you'd like to reach us with questions or input, our email address is superggradio at gmail.com. Provide a review on iTunes or the stolen tank of your choice. Thanks for listening. GG Phil. GG. Good game, Joel. Wait, who stole a tank? GG Getty. <laughs> GG. Oh, you're, you're not going to answer the question? Good game. Good everybody. God. Ugh. Thank you.